0: Hello and welcome to St. Paul United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew, and it's great to have you listening to our sermons this way. We are continuing our look at the basics of the faith, the basics of what we believe as Christians, using the Apostles' Creed as our guide. If you have a United Methodist hymnal handy, you can find it on page 881, or I'm sure you can Google it on the internet if you want to follow along. But basically, we're looking at the part of the Apostles' Creed that says we believe in the forgiveness of sins. We're getting near the end. So today, it's forgiveness that we're talking about. And when we think about the subject of forgiveness, it's it's a very complicated, multifaceted subject. So we're not going to be able to get into all of the depths and angles of forgiveness in this sermon. But I'm hoping to be able to hit some of the basics of what forgiveness is, what it isn't, and some of the different ways of thinking about forgiveness. So, as we think about forgiveness, for instance, there's God's forgiveness of us, there's our forgiveness of one another, and there's forgiving ourselves. And so I'm hoping to touch on all of these, but the first question that we need to ask when we think about forgiveness... The first question would be, who needs forgiveness? Who needs forgiveness? Now, that seems like that would be an obvious question to answer, right? It seems like you would know the answer to that, but not necessarily. Some people might think that, well, of course, everyone needs forgiveness. But for others, it might not be so clear. Because not everybody realizes that they need forgiveness. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and tell you that they forgive you for whatever it is that they say you've done against them. But the thing is, for you, you're not aware that you did anything that needed forgiveness. Or it may even be something that you do know that you did, but you did it because you thought it was right, and that you weren't in the wrong for doing it. Well, if you don't think that you need forgiveness, then when someone offers forgiveness, it's not good news. It's bad news, right? It almost sounds patronizing if you don't realize that you need forgiveness. So in order for forgiveness to be good news, we have to realize that we need forgiveness. Now, when we are talking about forgiveness from God, who needs forgiveness? Well, when we ask that question, we have to talk about sin. Now, sin is another loaded word. And what I mean by that is that it has a lot of different meanings. A lot of people think of sin differently. Sin is multifaceted, and it can show itself in many different ways. There can be sins of commission, words, thoughts, or deeds that we do that we shouldn't. And there can be sins of omission, words, thoughts, or deeds that we should do that we don't do. There can be sins of individuals. There can be sins of groups of people against other groups of people. Sin takes on many different forms. Some people think of sin as being like a power over us that enslaves us. So there are many different ways to think about sin. But to boil it down, what it means is missing the mark. And sin is any time we don't live up to God's ideal for us. And like I said, that can take on many different different forms. But it's any time we do not live up to the ideal that God has for us and all of us have sinned. Romans 3.23 says we all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's a fancy way of saying we've all messed up. So we all need forgiveness by God. If you're ever tempted to believe you don't need forgiveness, then that shows a lack of self-awareness. And having self-awareness is really necessary in order to realize that we are sinful and we do need forgiveness. So that leads us right to our next question then, which is, will God forgive us? And that's a difficult question to answer. Will God forgive us? You would think it would be easy, but again, not every question is necessarily obvious. For some of you, it may be that you've done something that is you feel in your estimation is so bad that it's unforgivable. Maybe, You've done something that you feel you can't forgive yourself for, and so if you can't forgive yourself for it, you think, God couldn't possibly forgive me for this. But here's the thing. The thing we have to remember is that the clearest picture of God has been found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus' attitude towards sinners is grace and mercy and forgiveness. If you ever doubt that, just remember that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he asked God the Father to forgive the people who did this to him, for they knew not what they were doing. Well, they knew exactly what they were doing, but on one level they didn't because they didn't believe he was the Son of God. But nonetheless, God is always ready to forgive sin. God is always ready to show you grace and mercy. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it is. God is ready to forgive you. God always forgives. That's just God's response to sin. It's not condemnation. It's forgiveness. God loves you, and you're his child. So we all sin. God forgives us. But then the next question to ask is, does that mean we always have to forgive others who sin against us? Well, there certainly does seem to be a connection between our own forgiveness and forgiveness of others. I mean, it's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In our scripture, Jesus tells a story in response to a question. You're probably... Familiar with this, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, but I believe it's in some of the other Gospels as well in this in this story, somebody comes up to Jesus and asks him, "How many times should I forgive someone?" Seven? That's interesting, isn't it? It's kind of a random number. But you see, in those days, the Jewish rabbis, the Jewish teachers, taught that you had to forgive someone three times, but after three times, you didn't have to anymore. And so, this person asking Jesus how many times they should forgive someone, they probably feel like they're being pretty gracious, suggesting seven times. But Jesus answers the question, he says, not seven, but 70 times seven. Right? So, in other words, don't keep track. You know, he's not meaning that you forgive someone 490 times, and then when you get to the 491st tally, you don't have to forgive them anymore. That's not the point. The point he's saying is we shouldn't keep score, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, it says love does not keep score, and so we don't want to do so either. So we just just forgive. And then he tells a story. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a story. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who came back to settle his accounts with his servants. So in other words, he had servants who owed him money, and the, the king is coming back to get his debts paid. So if you owe the king money, that's bad news, right? So there's this one servant of the king who owed 10,000 talents, which really sounds like a lot, but being removed from the culture, we really don't know. So we're really not sure how much money that is, right? But 10,000 talents is roughly equal to 60 million days of wages. <laughs> Right? It's an impossible number. Right, It would be like me saying that I owed someone a gazillion dollars. Like I don't mean that literally. I'm just saying I owe somebody such an extreme amount of money that I'm never going to be able to pay it back. And that's what this story is saying. It's saying this person owes the king so much money he's never going to be able to pay it back. And so the servant begs the king for more time to pay it back because he knows he's going to have to be sold into slavery for the rest of his life if he doesn't. But the king does even better. He forgives him of his sin. So the servant goes away, I'm sure, overjoyed that he's been forgiven of this debt that he owed. I think I said forgiveness of sin, but you know what I mean. He, he was forgiven of his debt. And so he goes away, I'm sure, lighthearted, Meanwhile, this servant has a servant of his own who owes him a hundred denarii or a hundred coins, roughly equal to a hundred days of wages. Now, a hundred days of wages is significant, right? That's almost a quarter of the year of wages. That's a significant amount of money, but it is a tiny fraction compared to a gazillion dollars or 10,000 talents. But nonetheless, the first servant doesn't show mercy to his own servant, And so when the king hears about that, when the king hears that even after he showed this man mercy, he refused to show mercy to someone else, he was so upset that, get this, he unforgives the debt. He unforgives it. Wow. And so the man ends up going into slavery after all. Now that is a pretty ominous ending to the story because the the, the king represents God. And so the question is, is this story telling us that God can unforgive us if we don't forgive others? So when we think about that, I would say we need to be careful about making black and white theology based on a story. Stories are meant to teach us something, but not every aspect of the story is necessarily meant to teach us something. That's number one. Number two, oftentimes the stories of Jesus were directed towards the Pharisees and religious leaders, people who had unforgiving hearts. So we'll get into that a little bit more later. But I think we want to be careful about creating black and white theology that says that, yes, if you don't forgive somebody, then God's not going to forgive you. But nonetheless, there is definitely a connection between our forgiveness of others being based on our own forgiveness of God, and that if we have unforgiving hearts and we refuse to forgive other people their sins, we're living in dangerous territory with God for sure. It's not a position we want to be in. But forgiveness is really difficult, isn't it? I mean, forgiveness is hard. And for some of us, we may find it hard to swallow the idea that we need to forgive others because we may be a little bit confused about what forgiveness is. And so I want to take a little moment here to dispel some misconceptions about, what, about forgiveness. So first of all, forgiveness is not excusing somebody's sin. When we forgive someone, we're not saying that what they did was, was okay right? I mean, if it was okay, we wouldn't need to forgive them, right? When somebody does something to you and it's not a big deal, when they ask for forgiveness, you say, oh, don't worry about it, no problem. And you mean that literally usually. It's not a problem. If it was a problem, you would have to forgive it. But the very fact that you don't have to forgive it means it's not a big deal. And so if you have somebody that you are having to forgive, then when you forgive them, it's as though you're saying, you know what, this is a big enough deal that I am having to forgive you this is not okay, right? So you're not saying that what they did is okay. Secondly, you don't have to forget what they did. See, sometimes we think that when we, when we forgive someone, we have to forget it. And th- There's a difference between not keeping score and not remembering, right? We're not called to keep score, but we also don't have to forget. In fact, that's impossible to do. You cannot will yourself to forget something. You just can't, right? If I tell you to think about a pink elephant, you can't will yourself not to think about a pink elephant. You're going to think about a pink elephant. And in the same way, you can't will yourself to just forget something. And so it's impossible, first of all. Secondly, it's not always smart. Because if you forget, then you might place yourself in harm's way again in extreme circumstances. And so... You know, we are not called to forget. In fact, even God doesn't forget sin. In my, you know, I really don't believe that God forgets sin. Now, there are scriptures that talk about God forgetting sin, but those are usually in the poetic sections of the Bible, like the Psalms. And we want to be really careful, again, about creating theology out of poetry. Because poetry is never meant to be taken literally. Uh, Poetry is a beautiful way of explaining a deep truth that's hard to explain. So, Uh, For instance, in the Psalms, it talks about how when God forgives us of our sins, he forgets them. But basically what they're saying in a very poetic way is they're explaining that when God forgives us, he forgives us so completely that it's almost as if he forgets our sin. But I don't think they meant that literally, because just think about this for a moment. If God literally forgot everything he forgave, thinking about the sin of humanity throughout history, he wouldn't hardly know anything about us, right? In effect, it would make us smarter than God because we would know ourselves and we would know other people better than God does if he had to forget everything he forgives. So no, I, I personally, and you can disagree with me on that, that's fine, but personally, I don't believe that God forgets sin. I think he forgives it so completely that it's as if he forgets it. And you don't have to forget either. In some cases, that would not be wise. And third, just because you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. There could still be consequences for what they've done. Right? If they've broken the law, there could be a consequence. There could be natural consequences. And and sometimes the consequences for what a person does can be redemptive. It can help them grow. So, It doesn't excuse what happened. You don't have to forget it, and it does not necessarily mean there aren't consequences. So you say, well, what is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness basically at its core, it is when you work inside yourself. It's inward work. It's it's when you work in yourself, in your emotional world, to work through the negative emotions you feel towards the person and to replace them with positive emotions. Now, that's a very simplified way to talk about forgiveness. But forgiveness does not require the other person to do anything. Forgiveness is an individual work of your own heart. Sometimes we mix up forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation does require both people to be willing to work towards it, right? So, But forgiveness is an individual thing. So you can forgive anyone. It could even be somebody who's passed away, and it doesn't mean that it's too late to forgive them. It's a personal thing you do within your own heart. Reconciliation might not always be possible with a person, nor smart, but you know, even if you're not going to have a relationship with that person, you can still forgive them. That's an individual thing. And it's when you work through your negative emotions like anger, hatred, or resentment, and it's when you no longer want revenge or the worst for them, you really sincerely hope for the best for them. That's what it means to forgive somebody. And yes, it's hard work. It's not easy. It takes time, right? And you might say, well, Mike, What if I am just having so much trouble forgiving somebody because what they did was so horrible? Does that mean that God's going to unforgive me of my sin? So as we come back to this subject again, I I just want to tell you that uh, there, there are two ways to think about forgiveness. There's decisional forgiveness, and there's emotional forgiveness. Decisional forgiveness is basically what it sounds like. It's when we make the decision or the commitment to forgive somebody of their sins. And we can do that right away. You know, basically what we're saying is that we are committing to the process of working on forgiveness. Now, that forgiveness might not be complete. You might not be there yet, but decisional forgiveness is when you make the commitment to work on forgiving the person. You don't have to promise the person that you're going to forgive them tomorrow or the next day, or even the next year, but you're committing to work through the process. That's decisional forgiveness. Emotional forgiveness is working through the process of your of going through your emotions and uh, working towards replacing them with positive ones. That is hard work. It can take a while. There's not necessarily a timeline for that. But you might be asking again, Mike, what, what if I'm working towards that, but I'm just struggling so much? And I would simply say that if that describes you, first of all, I don't think that God is reserving a room in hell for you because you haven't been able to fully forgive someone. Again, I think that when Jesus was teaching this, he was referring specifically to those who have unforgiving, unmerciful hearts. You know the type. You know people who hold grudges all the time, they never forgive anything. When you have an unforgiving heart like that, it's really hard to receive forgiveness from God because it's really hard for God to get into that person's heart, right? And and when you have an unforgiving heart, I think a lot of the times when Jesus was teaching, he was directing a lot of his stories and parables towards the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who as we know are very legalistic and not necessarily very merciful, and so, we don't want to have unforgiving, unmerciful hearts, but at the same time, uh, we have to realize that even the most gracious and forgiving person is going to have trouble forgiving some things in life. And if that describes you, I want you to know that I believe God has compassion on you. I want you to know that God realizes you're human and he's not going to expect you to be like him. I I want you to know that God has has mercy on you, and if you are willing to grant decisional forgiveness, to decide to commit to the process of forgiveness, I think God honors that, even if you haven't been able to work all the way through it yet, or even if you don't necessarily know how. I think God honors that. God honors our efforts. And so I don't think you have to worry. But I think that what this teaching tells us, you know, is that, Forgiving other people of their sins is serious business, and it's what we're called to do as Christians. So we are called to forgive others, and when it's hard, we still want to commit to it, and we still want to do what we can to work on it. And I think that's what it means to live out a life of forgiveness. As I said, forgiveness is hard. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? Well, sometimes there's personal but. Personal benefits towards us, right? When we forgive others, it can set us free from those negative emotions of fear and anger and resentment. And until we let go of those, it can be hard for us because, in a way, we're stuck in the past, even though we want to be living in the present and in the future. That's number one, it can set us free. Number two, it's actually can be bad for our health to hold on to those negative emotions for too long. Uh, and so it's better for us mentally, it's better for us physiologically, but outside of our own personal benefit, we forgive others because God has first forgiven us. And I think that's the main idea of the story Jesus told about the king and his servants. It's not necessarily that God is just looking for a reason to unforgive you of your sins if you're struggling to forgive someone. No, no, no. I think that it emphasizes the importance of forgiving other people and that we need to work towards that and then I also believe that Jesus is teaching us here that, that we want to work on this because God has forgiven us of so much already, <clears throat> you know, and the whole principle of the story is that it was ridiculous that the man refused to forgive his servant for a much smaller debt than he had just been forgiven. And in the same way, we realize that, yes, forgiveness is hard. Yes, we may not always know how we're going to do it. Yes, we may struggle to forgive people at times, and it might take a long time, but we want to strive towards that because God has already forgiven us of so much. And a proper response to that awesome love is to love others in the same way, to offer them forgiveness. So may we be a people of mercy, and forgiveness that others may see in us the life and the witness of Jesus Christ. Amen.